Today, first of my good afternoon. You are listening to Women Today. It's just gone six minutes past two. Uh, I'm Christy Dehaven. Uh, thanks very much to Stu and Catherine, of course, for talking heads. They'll be back with you at midday on Monday. Now, today we have another of our special Conister Rocks biographical programs. This is where we talk to some of the island's uh, best known and best loved personalities. We find out about their lives and the music that means something to them. Delighted this afternoon to be joined by a woman whose reviews speak volumes about her creative talent. According to Q magazine, boundary breaking is routine for Collister and makes her one of the finest grown up vocalists on the planet. Uh, Mojo says she can sing the birds down off the trees and send them back with a tiny flick of her vocal cords. And the Times just tells it straight. The Times simply says she has a voice personally delivered by God. <laughs> Well, you know, if one believes in God, then everybody has their voice personally delivered. But um, um, uh, what can I say? <laughs> Don't believe everything you read. <laughs> well, as you'll have heard on the programme anyway, as uh, our guest has been with us several times before, Christine College is so much more than just a voice anyway, and uh, we'll be hearing plenty more with Christine this afternoon. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank it's you for inviting me. It's you. a privilege. It really is. Thank you. How is 2018 shaping up for you so far? Um, not brilliant, because I've had a, one the cold from hell um, for the last couple of weeks. Mm, and sure many of your listeners have um <clears throat> but apart from that um it's it's a it's good to be alive and um i'm enjoying the sunshine today it was lovely one can find something really remarkable about every day i think um that's me trying to boy myself up there <laughs> no i'm doing great i'm doing great any resolutions um resolutions no actually i i didn't bother with them this year um i i figure every year i try and get a day i mean i try and get a resolution you know get out of bed is the first one that's good. Start with the little ones. <laughs> Start with the little ones. Yeah. And then and then it's like, wow, I've, I've achieved something. Uh, yeah, no, I do, I do a daily thing rather than a yearly thing. I find the yearly thing is just like a mountain. How do you get there from here? Yeah. So uh, I do a daily thing, yeah. And you don't want to sort of disappoint yourself at the end of the year anyway. Well, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so no, I try, try and give myself a head start, yeah. Well, speaking of achievements, uh, I did just read out a few reviews to you there and you were sort of giggling away in the background. How do you react to reviews like that? And, and do they actually have an effect? Because, I mean, they are staggering those reviews and I presume that when they things like that turn up do, do people then want to work with you and do people take you more seriously or do they have any sort of effect at all or do you just think oh well that's rather nice um that's rather nice you, yeah you can't really I mean obviously I use those quotes on my my web page or in you know in promotional uh, material but I, and if they really made that much difference then you know uh I'd be playing the palladium or something every night I don't know um but they're love they're, they're really nice but you still have to do the work you, you know it, it's not um it's always lovely to I say appreciation is always appreciated and and one always it's lovely to have positive feedback about anything um but what you can't expect that to then do the work for you as yeah. such. Uh, so you just have to keep, well, thanks very much. And then here, today's another day. Let's sing another song. Kind you, of you're fairly grounded, aren't I'm you? I'm a very grounded human being. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. And I suppose nowadays anyway, sort of everyone's a critic really now, aren't they? Because of yeah. social media. Yeah. But you've very much embraced social media, you know, with your blogs and your video posts. And you're really positive about it, aren't you? Yeah, I feel if you're going to use it, then use it in a very positive way. I mean, it's too easy to kind of um, uh, get down on the world. 
It re- you know, the, the, I, I remember I was part of a Gurdjieff group uh, for a, a number of years when I lived a, in a London. A what now? Sorry? Gurdjieff. It was, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a philosophical um, thing. Um, and, and their thing was, uh, the down will take care of itself. You have to take care of the up, so to speak. So, you know, if you focus on the positive, uh, that, that needs your, you know, your attention more than the, uh, the negative. And you do seem like a very positive person. So I it really works. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, Collister sounds like a safe bet that you are from Manx Heritage. And as most people will know, you were born and bred Manxy. Yes. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your childhood then, because it was an interesting one because it involved boarding houses and all kinds of things, didn't it? Yeah, sure. Um, I was born um, uh, the old Jane Crickall maternity wing um, in 1961 and uh, brought up in um, uh, Farrant Street in Douglas. Um, Mum and Dad bought a, hot- uh, a hotel there, but Mum and Dad got a, a house there. They were, um, my dad was from Paul Rose, my mum was from Williston. So for them, it was a big, it was quite a leap of faith to, um, to, to even think about owning their own house. Um, and and then in the 60s, 70s, the, a lot of people used to come to the Isle of Man still for holidays. You know, there were the wakes and what have you. And so there were, there were more people came than there were hotel rooms. Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> and so uh, lots of people in Douglas and around the um, the island used to welcome people into their homes and do bed and breakfast in their you know in their homes. And mum mum um, and dad did that and and they did it really well and it gave them the the confidence and the courage to to have a look at maybe running um, a hotel and so we moved into the Allen Vanning on Lot Prom in 1972 when I was 10. Um and um I, yeah it was amazing because I was really into this is I was really into the line the witch and the wardrobe at the time good choice okay uh, I, you'll know why where I'm going in a minute so in the line the witch and the wardrobe for those of you who don't know um um the heroine in the uh, in the story finds a wardrobe in a big house and walks keeps walking through and through and through until she's in this magical kingdom um and I thought oh my god 22 rooms 22 wardrobes I'm bound to get into Narnia and I honestly believed I would um but I didn't (laughs) but it kept me going for quite some time so Um, is that maybe where the sort of the flair for the because you have to have a flair for dramatics really being a performer don't you think that's where that sort of came from yeah maybe the magic world the magic world yeah Yeah. and and do you think that's perhaps where your work ethic came from as well because it's hard work oh mum and dad worked yeah their socks off yeah yeah they really did yeah like I mean like a lot of people um and again from that background of you you don't you don't get anything for free you have to work hard for it um sure yeah, and and I have spoken to you before about this, and I, I remember you saying to me at one point that you think your sister actually has as good as, or even possibly a better voice than yourself when yep. you were a kid used to say that. So did you sing together? How did that work? That's a very good um, memory there, Christy, yes. Um, <laughs> my, my sister Diane um, and I, we were given guitars one Christmas. Um, I was 10, she was 12. And in fact, there must have been a glut of these particular Spanish high-spot guitars that that Christmas because about 20 of us at the same school got them um, and um, we all learned to play guitar at the same time um, and so when we were down at the hotel we, we, we would sing for the visitors of, a, of an evening uh, and then pass, pass the ashtray around to clean one <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we, we would earn ourselves some pocket money but Diane had a sweeter voice and she was far more um, adept at playing the guitar than I was I, I always had to work at the guitar uh, but I had more uh, chutzpah. Um, I had more confidence. I really, really, really wanted to do it. Um, and Diane was shy. 
So you were always an entertainer, entertainer really, even from a very young age. I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to remember now, but um, but 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 certainly then. I mean, we and I used to sing in the choir. At, I went to Murray's Road School. Um, I sang in the choir. That was a big deal. Um, and then with the guitar, there was a guitar group called the Sunrise Group. There were about I don't know how many of us there were. We're loads of us, and, uh, and we were a quite a ragtaggle bunch of um, girls. We all wore long red skirts and white blouses, but oh my god, we looked ridiculous. But we thought we were bees knees, you know. And I can't remember. We played at the Villa Marina one Christmas, and I remember playing Little Donkey. That's yeah, that was a song we played. Oh, um, lovely! But I do remember also that um, I. I I learned that my guitar playing wasn't great um, because we played a concert at Murray's Road School and um, Hilary Norris, who was a much more proficient guitar player, she played and I sang. And that was, you know, the lines were delineated. But she was a beautiful singer too. So, you know, no doubt she had the same kind of, come on, I can sing as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that that first song that we did together was um, Leaving on a Jet Plane. Oh, yeah, what a great John, tune. John Denver song. Yeah. And, and obviously I saw you on uh, BBC Songs of Praise as well a couple of years back. Oh, and you yeah. were taking a tour of the, the church um, on, not Farrant Street, Salisbury, isn't it? Salisbury Well, it was church. actually on Farrant Street and we lived right next door, 21 yeah. Farrant Street. But it was called Salisbury Street uh, Methodist Church. And, and that sort of played went, a part yeah. in your, your musical Yeah, well, musical um, we the, the kids, I'm one of four. So there's Diane, me, Paul and then Colin. And we all went to Sunday school. I mean, I think rather than a religious education, it was more to give mum and dad a bit of time alone. <laughs> really, if I'm honest. Um, but but that was one of the places where we got to sing. You know, we got to sing in the choir there as well and, and Sunday school anniversaries and stuff like that. I got to do solo spots. And uh, so, the, yeah, it was fairly formative um, musical background for me, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you had, as we mentioned, flair for the dramatic. Uh, you were the Wicked Witch, I believe, of <laughs> the Wicked West. Witch of the West. Yes, yes. typecasting, some would say. Um, that was one of the bi- the first big production at Balakamine, um that um, Mrs Norris did. Um, and I, I'm, I've been told, but I've never seen them, that there is a video somewhere. Uh, I would absolutely love to see it. Listeners, uh, but this I, is your call. I know. <laughs> Get me that video. Yep. Um, but I shared the role with um, uh, Catherine Waring, so I don't even know if I'm, I was videoed, uh, whether they did both sets of uh, cast or not. But um, I, I loved it, absolutely loved it. It was a huge... It loomed large at that time in my life yeah it's a big but deal. it's interesting that you didn't then follow that route of doing a sort of stage and dramatics it was more yeah. it was just the singing that no, you followed no singing held more allure for me than um, acting yeah. yeah I mean in fact I've, since then I don't think I've ever acted but um, yeah I just love singing I, I, it lights lights me up you know and you can see it in the performance well today uh, we are sharing of course memories and music yes and uh, your first piece of music your first choice comes from Jean Vincent tell us about this particular track so mum and dad had a, um, a dancette uh, player and a whole pile of singles. And one of the singles that my sister and I used to dance along to uh, was Bebop Aluna, uh, uh, Jean Vincent. And uh, it, it still makes me smile. It was, it was a, it, it's just a great, it's a great track. Well, Bebop Aluna, she's my baby. Bebop Aluna, Well, she's the gal in the red, blue jeans She's the queen of all the teens 
choice of first song from Christine Cole so that is Jean Vincent and B. Bopalula uh, very Elvis Presley that isn't it yeah I suppose it was around that time yeah, yeah. and he, yeah. I can just imagine sort of girls screaming and shouting <laughs> uh, yeah. did you manage to see many of the acts that were over here because he used to get an no. awful lot of acts over no, here not, no, times, no, not at that, no not at that time too young yeah yeah yeah. But it was it felt it felt very grown up listening to your parents' records and that always felt so exciting. It was just such an exciting song as a little kid anyway. Yeah, yeah it's quite sad it? now that people just put them on computers, isn't it? Uh, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well we'll be talking much more to Christine Collister over the course of the next forty five minutes or so. If you have any questions for Christine, you can text one double six one double seven or you can email us studio at manxradio.com. Women Today. You are listening to Women Today and we are joined on our Conister Rock this afternoon by Christine Collister. Delighted to have her with us. And uh, we were just saying before the break, we heard Christine's first uh, piece of music, her choice there, which is Bebopalula. And we were talking about different different bands and things that have played over here over the years. You've seen some fairly high profile artists here over the years, haven't well, you? In the 70s, when the Lido was still up and running, um, I don't know who it was that set this up, but every Sunday night there was a, a band, whoever, whoever was on tour, that, that you would have a, a band that was in the in the charts playing and it was £1.50 no matter what. Wow. And I saw, I remember the first people we saw was um, Status Quo. I was 11. How the hell I got in, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go upstairs. I wasn't allowed near the bar. Um, so we saw Status Quo, Smokey. Uh, when I was 14, I saw 10CC. I was a huge fan of 10CC. Um, I didn't know until many, many years later that that was their very, very first live show. Incredible. Oh, on here the on the Earth, Earth, And Man. it was amazing. And I'm just telling you now, Eric Stewart looked at me twice. Oh. <laughs> you can imagine as a teenager, that was like a huge... He was probably thinking, who let that little girl in? Um, <laughs> so who else? Casey and the Sunshine Band, um, Billy Ocean, ACDC, um, uh, The Glitter Band, uh, Matt and Katie Kassoon. I mean, uh, was it so who, whoever was on at the time? And it was amazing. Uh, and you just went. You just went. I saw the Bay City Rollers before they were um, huge Brilliant. hit. And do you think that sort of spurred you on to want to do this professionally? Did it sort of ignite a fire in you? Well, it certainly matched the fire that was already there, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and maybe sort of expanded yeah. your horizons. Yeah, it, well, it's exciting, isn't it, when you see people playing live. Um, yeah. And and the Lido was just a great place. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. I only saw the yeah. very sort of end of it, really, yeah. when they were doing the pancake races. I remember oh, that. I don't and remember the laser that discos. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but just before the break, we did hear your first music choice. Yeah. And uh, it was because it was a piece of music that used to get played on the dance set recorder. Ah, yes, I see where you're going. Yes, and this leads into your first <laughs> band, which was called... The Rocking Dance Sets. Yeah. Actually, we were called Chris and the Rocking Dance Sets. Um, but yeah, the Rocking Dance Sets. Uh, I met Anglin Buttermore huge musical icon on the Isle of Man. He was um, a professional, he was an actual professional musician. Um, uh, he was in Shaken Stevens Band, for those of you who don't know. Uh, I was 19 when I met Anglin and uh, we formed a band together with um, Mike Williams. And we had drums and bass, um, uh, other guitars. It was great. It was great. So it was rocking dance sets. And we played all over the place, including the you know, the Glen Helen and um, just wherever there was a gig at the time we'd play. Um, and it was just really good fun. Um, and I remember I felt incredibly out of place because I was the young, by, by far the youngest person. I'm saying by far. Anglin's only a couple of years older than me. I felt, <laughs> felt um, um, I was fairly gauche. Um, and um, I, w- one of the things I do remember is rehearsing in uh, what used to be the Punch and Judy um, cafe up a whole load of stairs at the bottom of uh, Broadway. And um, Anglin and I did all the schlepping. I'm just, you know, not that I've held this as a grudge or anything. So, and he, he used to play um, a Fender Rhodes uh, piano. So I remember getting all the way up the stairs with his Fender Rhodes piano and, and bringing everything back down and fitting it, most of it, not the drums, fitting most of it into his De Chavot Renault car, sorry, Citroën uh, 2CV. Um, and it didn't have a starter motor and I didn't drive. So I had to push start the car. The that's the funny of the things you remember um anyway i remember um being shy about um saying what songs i would like to sing and i basically just sang whatever they you know oh let's do this we know this we know this we know that and and i had the temerity to suggest um an i can tina turner song um and when when everybody kind of went you can't do that it's a classic i i kind of dug my heels in and i said well i want to do it (laughs) And so I loved, I loved that, uh, that we managed to do River Deep Mountain High, which was just uh, what a thrill that was. And I'm definitely nowhere near the I Can Tina version, but it was, it was still a thrill to do. Well, it is your second song choice. So let's hear a little bit of that original version, I Can Tina Turner, River Deep Mountain High. When I was a little
what a tune. And what a brave choice, Christine Collison, to suggest to <laughs> sing with your band, The Dancers. Oh, it was great, though. It was such fun. And from that point on, then, did you have this uh, newfound confidence to suggest other tunes? Yeah, I suppose I did. I mean, I, I, that must have been the moment where I just thought, oh, sod it, I'll just, just <laughs> do what... You know, I, I really, really wanted to do it. Um, and I'm one of those, well, maybe like a lot of human beings, you know, if I'm told not to do something, that's when I really want to do it. Really. So, <laughs> Are you a bit uh, stubborn, would you a say? A little then? bit, maybe, Manx, Manx issue there, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, but this, but this confidence then perhaps is is maybe what what led you to to make a very brave move because you eventually did decide to leave the island to pursue your career yeah. in music. Nineteen eighty three, aged only twenty one. I wonder, did you actually have a sort of plan, or was it like a kind of Dick Whittington movement where you just went, "I'm going to London to find success"? <laughs> or how, how how did it all happen? Um, well, I um, when I I left school at sixteen, and then somebody f- um, got me to sing at a local folk club, um, and the folk club was run by. Dave Sale and um, he and I and I sang at the folk club for a number of years um, and when when it came to the point where perhaps it was time for me to leave and, and actually find out if if I was any good because I didn't know I mean I knew that the island was basically um, a small pond and, and I'd become a medium fish in it kind of thing um, but I I really believed that there was a singer like me on every street corner in the UK and you know who who was I so, um, so Dave, bless him, set me up with uh, floor spots in in half a dozen folk clubs one one spring, just to test the theory. Come on, then, come and just do it. Just go up and and sing a few songs. So I did, and I got a great response. I got a really great reaction. Jake Thackeray, in fact, was the um, the main act on uh, one of the one of the gigs, oh, and he was wonderful. very complimentary. Um, and uh, there happened to be uh, an engineer from Piccadilly Radio from Manchester in the audience in one of these gigs. And he introduced himself and said, look, before you go back to the island, will you come into the studio and I'll record, you know, some of the songs that you do and see if, you know, if we can do anything with them. So I did that. And um, from that recording, I got um, the chance to work at Piccadilly Radio overnight they had this policy at the time. They were first, one of the first 24-hour franchised independent radio stations. And part of the policy said that they had to have 10% of their output be live music. So in order to fulfil that part of the contract, they uh, recorded the Halle Orchestra at every given opportunity. <laughs> and then they had this night beat programme between 2 and 6 in the morning. Um, and they had a night beat muso um, each night and you got to sing a song an hour, basically. And they had four or five Nightbeat muses, uh, Musos on the go. Um, who was the guy that w- became famous from that? Howard Jones. Oh, wow. He had been a Nightbeat Muso. I don't think I replaced him, but I wasn't far, you know, after, after a similar his time. stint. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I, I accepted um, and I, I went over to Manchester. I was freaking out. I mean, I, I was really scared. Because you're going, I mean, you're going to a city. Yeah, <laughs> from the tiny uh, island. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But people were lovely and um, and I got to, so I did two nights a week, which basically gave me a living wage. So I was able to pay for a flat and uh, I, I mean, I shared accommodation with people. Um, and I did that for about two years. And what it entailed was... Um, so there was a DJ, a newsreader and an assistant and then the Nightbeat Muso. And it was basically, you know, records played. And then after the news, you got to sing a song. So you'd sing like four songs a night. 
So it wasn't exactly a heavy load. But when it was my time to sing, you'd go into the the studio part and sit and I'd sit with headphones on and a microphone and I'd sing to a door. You know, it, <laughs> what a captive audience. Yeah. Um, and I just sang anything and everything um, that I could. And I, I every now and then I'd, I'd sing something that I'd written. But um, it was great. I mean, and and um, a supplementary gig I did was at the Millionaire Nightclub, which was basically downstairs. Um, and for the same reason, in order for them to have a light license, they had to have so much uh, live music and I had to do 20 minutes once a week. Um, but at the time, that was like 24 quid, which was a lot of money at the time <laughs> and uh, paid for my baked beans. Oh, I love it. So, uh, yeah, in fact, I, I, my, my funny story from the Millionaires Club, I was late one night and I came in the back door with my guitar in hand and I was running down the stairs with the pointy end of the guitar. That's a very technical term, ladies and gentlemen, going down the stairs. And as I was going down the stairs, George Michael was running <gasps> up the stairs and the pointy end of my guitar met with his groin area. Oh, my word. I'm not saying I had anything to do with... No. But he sang in a slightly <laughs> higher register for but several no, days. My brush with, um, yes, stardom. <laughs> that, that is a brush with stardom in more, ways, in than more ways than one. Uh, so we did sort of start you off on your career. And you mentioned yeah. writing. Um, you have many influences uh, in yeah. your in your in over your career. There's, there's people you've talked to me about in the past. But someone in particular, Joni Mitchell, you really love her, don't you? What well, is it about amazing. Joni? She's um, um, in a sea of... Um, male-dominated um, um, writing and performing and success. She came along um, very young and incredibly talented um, with a very unique... Whether you like her or hate her, and, and she seems to be a Marmite kind of artist, you know. I don't um, know how anybody couldn't, but, you know... But, but just... you know, that the, the kind of... The, the, the soaring voice can really get on some people's, you know... Wick, so uh, but I, I happen to love it, and also uh, influential guitar player, amazing guitar She's player. Incredible, yeah. She uses fifty different tunings. I mean, she was you know incredibly adventurous in her uh, in her uh, playing style, creating whole uh, swathes of um, um, approaches to to playing the guitar, um, and a poet. An absolute yeah. poet, um, and I just yeah, I think she's amazing. And I'm, there's a one song in particular, which interestingly uh, is from the first Joni album. I was introduced to by someone from Manx Radio. Actually, uh, Graham Bell told me about Hegira, yeah. and uh, I fell in love with it instantly. But um, it's the title track from that that you like. And I why? Love it, yeah. Why in particular? Um, it tells the most beautiful kind of story. Her, her it's the the words are beautiful, but also this kind of undulating background. Um, it, it it transports. I think it transports um, me. It, well, it definitely transports me, and it has the ability to do that for anybody who gives it a little bit of attention. I think, um, yeah, the, the lyrics in particular are wonderful. Yeah. And we'll come back to talk about those in a moment, but for the time being, here's a little bit of Joni Mitchell, Hey Jira. Shall shut love away. There's comfort in melancholy. When there's no need to explain It's just as natural as the weather In this moody sky today In our possessive coupling So much could not be expressed So now I am returning to myself 
see something of myself in everyone Just at this moment of the world The snow gathers like bolts of lace Waltzing on a ballroom seems a bit of a crime sort of pulling down partway through songs like this but uh, we've got so much to talk about Christine but Joni Mitchell Hegera and there's some lyrics in particular that you love in that which we just heard aren't yeah um, uh, the line it always gets me um, but the whole the whole song is full of beautiful lines is um, snow falling like bolts of lace waltzing on a ballroom girl I mean, it's just beautiful. Oh, it's just really, gorgeous. really beautiful. And I think just reflect, in a way, um, the way that you approach writing as well, because it is very poetic, isn't it? The way, and you're sort of very imagery-laden, the way you write I, as well. I would in no way compare myself <laughs> to Joni Mitchell. Just but, let other people but, do it. Um, I think perhaps on occasion I may... A little nod in that direction, yes. <laughs> Marvellous. We'll hear more of Christine's music choices coming up after the break. The Nation Station, Manx Women Today. You are listening to Women Today. Just coming up to 18 minutes to three now. We're having a lot of fun in the studio <laughs> today with Christine Collister. Uh, just before the break, Christine, we heard uh, your music choice of Joni Mitchell uh-huh. and we were talking about lyric writing. How easy did you find it to turn uh, your hand to songwriting itself from having sort of focused mainly on your voice up until that point? Um, I, I found it quite difficult Um because um, I suppose when you're used to um, choosing such high-end, uh, I, you know, songs to sing, and then you decide that you might give it a go yourself, you real one you realise how how incredibly talented those people are of the songs that you choose that that really touch your heart, um, and then well, what what who am I? <laughs> who am I? What have I got to say? So there was quite um, a battle inside to get over myself so to speak but over years of meeting other people and um and having people give advice or you know just i i did quite a lot of work on creativity um realizing that well actually you just give it a go just just do it um and over time you find a bit of a you know you find your own way into it um, and the the best advice that i could give anybody or that was ever given to me is to daily connect she said after, you know, not having done it for a while. <laughs> but but truly, when you get into a habit, um, that good habit of uh, giving yourself at least 20 minutes of free form uh, writing, which is what I would try to do, um, you get the editor out of the way. Because your editor, if you have an editor inside that says that tells you that something's good or not good or pursue that line or not the other, then... Um, then then you have to kind of get that out of the way. You have to give the editor something to work with. Otherwise, the editor will just say, well, you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, you know? So um, it took me a while to kind of get through that quagmire 
Um, but now, but I do now, and there, there are all sorts of um, little exercises you can do to to uh, to help get over that for initial. Oh God, I've got nothing to say. And in fact, as, as some people might, won't know this, but uh, you have in fact written a book as well, haven't oh, you? Oh yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> are we going to see that? Is um, that I would like to think point? at some point, uh, but it kind of took a back burner over the past couple of years. Um, uh, but yes, I'm on my third rewrite um, and I feel like I've got a bit more momentum now. So, yeah, I'm hoping to. Well, yeah. keep us posted on that I one. Shall. But, uh, we've talked about you, your move to the UK and I can't believe how quickly the show's going already. <laughs> but, uh, we're going to get another couple of music choices in. But you did, of course, when you moved to the UK, you formed your first sort of very important musical partnership, didn't you? With A lot of people remember you from the Gregson Collister years. Yeah, um, I met Clive um, Gregson, who was from Manchester, lived in London. He was in a pop band. I knew nothing about him and I, did a, I was doing a floor spot at a folk club near where he he was visiting his parents I think and he came, he came up and introduced himself and um, and so we struck up a conversation and then um, I started going down to um, do uh, demos of his songs and other people's songs uh, in London um, and he really felt that he could help me develop my actually have a career as such um, but then we became a, a partnership um, and so that kind of took a back seat. <laughs> but hey, that's life, right? Um, but it was through Clive that um, I met Richard Thompson and Clive had already worked with Richard for a couple of years doing backing vocals on albums. And it, uh, it was the first album that Richard did without um, his um, without Linda Thompson, a wonderful singer, and their relationship had broken up. And so it was his first endeavour as a full studio album. And uh, so Richard just asked Clive if he knew anybody that would uh, be able to do some backing vocals with him. And he suggested me and it all went swimmingly. And that was an album called Across a Crowded Room. And he invited Clive to be in his live band for the following, um, for the tour that would support that album. And like a month before they went, he decided that he'd really wanted me to be in the band as well. And so I got to tour the States with Clive and Richard in the band. And it was the most amazing, most amazing time. And you continued that that friendship and working relationship. Yeah, I still work with Richard. I was in his band. Well, Clive and I were both in his in his um, in his band for three years, 85 to 88. And we did backing vocals on about five or six albums. And then Clive and I split up. And and then from then I was doing work with lots of other different people as well as because Because you do enjoy collaborating, don't you? I love it. Which in itself is a very brave thing to do. I suppose so. I love it. I love working with other people. You just get more energy around whatever it is that you're doing. And speaking um, of energy, as, as those of you who listen to the show regularly will know, uh, you have been working again with the Daphne's Flight Ladies yay! and you went on tour with them in the summer, came yeah. in to see us just before you went. How did the tour, though, go then? Because talk about energy, you group oh, of ladies. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, so tw- that was in 1996 we originally did um, did that tour. So it was myself, Chris Wilde, Julie Matthews, Melanie Harold, and Helen Watson and Daphne's Flight. Um, so lots and lots of harmony, some great writing, uh, some great arrangement of uh, arrangements of well known songs um, and we did an album in 1996 and then we got together again and we did uh, did it all over again with new songs last year in 2016 um, and it it's like a renaissance I think because we're all that bit older and more uh, accomplished and confident and we've got that huge amount of experience between us and a lot of love mm-hmm. a huge amount of friendship and love and trust and it's magic 
absolutely magical and uh, we're going to do it again this year um we've already got the tour more or less booked out in september and um, you, will you be coming back to the island we're that? hoping to we'd love to we'd love to um start here again Great. at the centenary center but don't you know, we've, we've yet to ask Dave McLean if that's okay. Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave please let, them, please let, let us play. And uh, and also, you've just uh, come back from touring with a, a, a chap from Australia, Michael. Tell us about. Oh, that. Michael Fix, yeah, wonderful guitar player. Um, he lives in Brisbane, in Australia. And my lovely husband Bob, whom um, we've been together eighteen years this year. Oh my God! <laughs> um, because of um, his generosity in having a, a child with uh, in his first marriage i am now a grandmother can't believe you're a grandma <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bother to have children myself but i am a grandmother i love being a gra- grandma crispy um, and we have twin granddaughters uh, who now live in australia so we go over there as often as we possibly can and during our um our time over there i, I met um michael fix who's this lovely guitar player and we started doing gigs together and so for the last three or four years um when i've we've gone down to see the girls we've also done gigs and uh, it's a fabulous combination <laughs> to say um, um, so uh, I'll be doing some more shows with him in uh, March and April. Fabulous. Um, we look forward yeah. to those. And you, you've continued to work as well with various artists from the Isle of Man. We were talking earlier about the fact um, we both worked with Catherine Crowe, the lovely Catherine oh, Crowe, Catherine, yeah. um, who is an amazing inspiration. And also you continued working with people like Davy Knowles and yeah. you went on tour with uh, Rob Cross as well, Yeah, Rob, you? lovely, so, lovely Rob, yeah. Oh, I mean, what yeah. is it about the Isle of Man, do you think? Because we do seem to sort of punch above our, above our weight when it comes to musical talent, don't we? Yeah. I don't know. The place is magical. I mean, I, I actually do love the idea of unicorns and fairies and (laughs) (laughs) it's better than thinking about donald trump that's all i I agree so um and the the island has in its makeup i think a sense of magic and wonder and wherever there's magic and wonder you get some really wonderful things so um i I like i love singing with your good self and joe and jew and callister fabulous you know singers that um beautiful there's a there's a there's a chemistry also because we're of this island i think um it lifts us um along with yeah it imbues whatever you do so um yeah I, I, I love that so what is 2018 looking like for you with regards to your music then you mentioned you're going to be revisiting michael fix maybe doing some more um uh, daphne's flight you are going back to australia i take it yeah um uh, bob and i are leaving the island the end of this month and we won't be back until the end of may um we just booked it yesterday so i'm very excited <laughs> um um uh, so what about your to... own material any more christine material um well that's kind of ongoing it just is an ongoing process so um I, I'm able to do that wherever I am and I'll certainly um, have, have a focus on that whilst I'm travelling. Um, with modern technology, any, you can do anything anywhere these days, which is brilliant. So I'll be working with Michael in, like I say, between March and May. Um, I'm, I'm also working with Dave um, Dave Kelly, uh, blues guitar oh, player yes. with the blues band. Uh, we've got, for some bizarre reason, we've got um, um, a festival together in uh, Vancouver, Vancouver Island in, Je- in July. Brilliant. <laughs> Why not, right? So, um, and then uh, we're, we'll be doing festivals with uh, Daphne's. We, we just got confirmation we're doing Towersy Folk Festival in August. So that's really fantastic. And then that will move into uh, the shows in September and whatever else might happen in between. 
Well, it's interesting that you say that, uh, you know, sort of you left to try and find fame and fortune. You say you're still looking for it yeah, now. Yeah, whatever. Are you still searching for it? Because to be fair, it's, it sounds like you have a very happy and positive approach to music and everything yeah. seems... So you have you are a very bouncy person. I am. So it seems like you are content with um, where you are. Yeah, well, content. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, why not? That's 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 a good word. My, my life is good. Life is good. Um, and there's always um, there's always room for improvement and, and I'm always looking for that. Um, but I feel incredibly fortunate. Yeah, I'm very grateful. Well, what we're going to do is because we typically this always happens, we have run out of time. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask Alex very nicely if he'll play Golden Years, which was uh, one of your choices uh, at the yeah. start of his show. Uh, so uh, we'll hopefully be able to get some David Bowie in because that was one of your choices. But we're going to end with a very special dedication, aren't we? Yeah, um, my lovely dad, Eddie, um, bless him. He, uh, he passed away on December 2nd. Um, and so it's fairly... It's fairly fresh and um, it's very sad, but also he's the most beautiful guy. And when we did the uh, cremation ceremony, I put together music for him. And this was the last piece. um, And it's a family favourite. And I remember singing, um, Bob and I were singing it with him in hospice uh, only a few days before he passed on. And it brings us a lot of joy. As it does to many people, and it's a perfect way to end. Christine, it has been a joy sharing this hour with you. I wish we had another three or four, because <laughs> <No. laughs> there's so much more we can cover. No, thank but you if, for the invite. Well, if you want to find out more about Christine, you can get, simply go to christinecollister.com and uh, all the information about uh, your tours and your yeah. gigs and your wonderful blog and the fabulous photos, because you've become a photographer as uh, well thank you. over the past <laughs> few years. Worth checking out. But uh, what a perfect way to end with the wonderful Morecambe and Wise Bring Me Sunshine. Christine, thank you. Alex is up after the break. Bring me sunshine in your smile Bring me laughter all the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy through the years Never bring me any tears Let your arms be as warm As the sun from up above Bring me fun, bring me sunshine Bring me love Bring me sunshine in your smile Bring me laughter All the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me Any tears Let your arms be as warm As the sun from up above Bring me fun, bring me sunshine Bring me love, sweet love Bring me fun, bring me sunshine Bring me love Women Today 